Welcome to Unlocking Innovation, a podcast from EX3 Labs in 1871. We'll be talking to leaders in innovation about what keeps them ahead of the curve in today's atmosphere of rapid change and how they cultivate a culture of innovation within their organizations. I'm your host, Adam Wisniewski. Today's guest is Rana Komar. Rana is the Central Region President at Weber Shanwick, a global communications network with offices in 79 cities and a network extending into 129 cities on six continents. Their goal is to create big ideas and daring work that helps clients raise awareness and make their positive impact on complex business and social issues. Their clients include Excedrin, Budweiser, Royal Caribbean, and Honeywell, among many other recognizable brands. Uh, so thank you for being here today, Rana. We're super excited to have you. Um, thank you. I'm excited to be here. So for the listeners who uh, are, are less familiar with your background, would you mind just giving a quick overview of uh, your career journey? Sure. Um, so I uh, started out – so I was – I don't even really know how I got here, to be honest with you. I was – a music major um, and political science major and kind of graduated without a sense of what I really wanted to do with my life and uh, fell into a little bit of nonprofit. And then I quickly realized that it's really hard in nonprofit because you have big, huge ideas and not a lot of ability to sort of activate those. So um, I, I pointed myself in the direction of the agency world thinking I want to work with big brands. And I was lucky enough at the time to start out at a company then called Bozell, now called Weber Shanwick. I started there as an intern. I was there for about five years. I moved to um, two other agencies for a short time and came back. And so all in, I've been with the company for about 20 years. And I've had an ama- thank you. Um, and I've had kind of an amazing journey because um, our industry has changed so much. Um, you know, when I got into uh, the world of communications and public relations, um, you know, I, I was it was very focused on um, driving awareness. And uh, and now the uh, you know I've worn so many different hats over the years. So I've done everything from. Um, you know, driving large pieces of business to being a client experience leader on those pieces of business to overseeing new business for us as an organization um, here in Chicago um, to most recently leading um, uh, the Chicago office and also the region, the central region. And so um, I've touched so many different parts of the business and have seen how it's evolved over the years. And I think it's been a really exciting journey because um, it's uh, it's been very focused on um, the opportunity to constantly morph and change. And I think that's the beauty. I mean, you know, the agency world lets you touch really dynamic brands and uh, big corporations that have media and substantive challenges. But how we solve those challenges and the kinds of challenges that we solve have changed so much over the years. And I think with that, the opportunities that you have as an individual also constantly change. So I'm kind of happy I ended up here. Um, I'm really happy I ended up here. And uh, what I love about sort of my career trajectory is I've had a chance to do a lot of different things. And I think that just sort of shapes who you are and um, allows you to to take in all those different experiences and keep meshing it up and, and keeping it fresh. Absolutely. And thank you for sharing that background. Yeah. So, so 20 years for being with one agency is, is somewhat unique in, in your world. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what you've seen in terms of change that the the company has experienced? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the ability 
for us to keep changing and morphing. As a company, Weber Shanwick's always, our DNA has always really been focused on keeping our eye on what's in the future. And that was true the day I started as an intern. It couldn't be truer now. Um, and uh, the great part about that is we're constantly looking around the corner to understand what's happening in the world culturally around us, what's happening in technology, how business is changing, how different models are changing. For us to be able to take that and um, and be able to apply that to the work that we do on behalf of our clients. And we work with large Fortune 100 companies and touch all different sorts of industries. So there's lots of different kinds of challenges to solve. And so uh, when I first started, I think we were very much focused on communicating campaigns that were already existent in the agency world. And, like the creative agency would develop a campaign and our clients would say, great, you go take this and do something with it to get attention for it. And today we drive creative ideas that solve business challenges. And that's a huge change. Um, and it hasn't come overnight. It's come because I think in the agency that I'm in, um, at Weber Shanwick, we've been lucky enough to be able to constantly pivot and, and change the kind of talent that we're bringing in to solve the problems, uh, to think and understand differently about um, what what those challenges are and and um, uh, be able to like really dig in and change the value that we can bring to clients their the client's business you know communications often was relegated as an afterthought and today it's core to everything that every company cares about and thinks about and that's because the media world has changed around us and how consumers as I sit here with you know device all of a foot like a five inches away from my hand right not even a foot away uh, how human beings communicate and how people digest information and how they interact with brands and what they care about and what's relevant and what's going on culturally is so dynamic and companies have had to keep up with that and our job is to help them do that. So because of that, I think my job and my role has changed. 20 years in the industry, well, more than 20 years in the industry, 20 years at one agency, I've seen um, such growth and exponential growth, and that's exciting. And and I think that, you know, I, I love the people that I work with. We've got such a great group of smart, deeply strategic leaders at, at my company. I'm so lucky. Um, and such meaty and substantive and interesting clients to work on. And when you have sort of that combination and everyone's very dynamic and fluid and agile and wanting to constantly focus on how are we innovating, how are we changing, how are we solving problems, we do it in a beautiful way of working together and collaborating across geographies. We're a global company, but literally 60% of our accounts are across the world and time zones. And so it forces you to have sort of the, the, the working relationships that have to be really strong and dynamic and fluid and super collaborative. And that's, that's why I stay, you know, that's why I've, I've, I will hopefully stay 20 more years. It's been a glorious ride. And, uh, you know, it's so interesting to just see how this industry keeps changing. I mean, I guess I'll stay as long as the agency world's around for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> so you I'm mentioned kidding. early in your career, um, being part of nonprofits. Yeah. Um, I, I remember a time where nonprofit was really responsible for a lot of the social good and corporations didn't have their eye on that. Um, now that paradigm has shifted. So many corporations are taking on uh, causes, really championing uh, the social impact. Weber Shanwick has been on the forefront um, and has been extremely committed to social impact. Can you talk a little bit about that commitment and what that means for you? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that is today the expectation from corporations, from brands, 
uh, from organizations is that they do something to make the world better. I think that's standard operating procedure now. And, uh, and I think a lot of how that's come about is because of our ability as individuals to see very directly and have a voice very directly in what brands and companies are doing because of connectivity, because of access, because of uh, greater transparency, we're able to have a voice in shaping and expecting and demanding that companies do good in this world. And it's you know no surprise that the recent actions um, in terms of corporations coming out and saying that it is our responsibility to do this speaks volumes. I mean, there's a, there's a recognition. And so we've uh, been involved in doing social good for, for like all of our agency career path uh, or all of our agency history. Um, you know, we, uh, we've worked with brands and companies that have um, huge footprints in terms of sustainability, uh, in terms of um, key issues. Uh, and our job is to help them make sure that they talk about the impact that they have um, and help them ensure that it is a core part of everything that they are doing. They, they've, they're they already doing this very often. Um, it's not necessarily, um, there's not necessarily awareness around it. Um, and, and very often it's critical that we have that lens to make sure that um, what we're what we're talking about related to companies is telling the true full story of, of what the company's doing. Um, social impact is an area we care deeply about. We work with brands that touch all of the different United Nations 17 sustainability goals. And um, our job is to really help ensure that we're helping um, tell the story that, of, of the impact that they have um, and, and interacting with audiences and stakeholders to make sure that we're hearing and listening to what people are saying and helping to bridge that gap for, for companies. Fantastic. So a lot of the listeners are responsible for leading their innovation initiatives at their respective companies. And oftentimes they think that innovation is this kind of grand thing that um, is more around disruption. Weber Shanwick has been known to um, take existing innovations and be able to apply them really well to new projects. Can you talk a little bit about um, the way that you all do that? Yeah, I mean, I think our thinking related to innovation is that it's about, number one, it's about incremental changes. There's no, we're not in the business where we build a technology and we flip a switch and the world changes, right? So our ability to drive innovation into our business as a business and also our client's business is our ability to make changes in an incremental manner. And we use technology in so many different ways to do this. Uh, and and when we do that, we have so many clients that touch similar types of issues or challenges um, across a variety of different industries. So when we've got a technology that we've leveraged and used, uh, and it's been proven to be effective, we very often will take those key learnings and apply them to other clients as well. And so uh, really, it's around making sure that we are um, efficiently taking the learnings that we've got around how technology can change the client's um, conversations, the client's interactions, the client's dynamic with the audiences that they're trying to reach, and use what we know about the power of technology to make that happen time and again. So we do try to be super efficient about that whenever we possibly can and, and, and ensure that we're leveraging technology to its maximum capacity um, whenever we've built something or leveraged something. 
Absolutely. So with your vast history in, in, in public relations and communication, what are some of the biggest challenges that you've seen as of lately as it relates to helping to serve your clients? So our, many of our clients tackle uh, a wide variety of challenges, but really I think some of the core challenges that they face is making sure that they are solving problems that their audiences care about. Uh, and, and for every client, that's different, but it's about utility, it's about value, um, and it's about relevance. And so brands and companies need to be relevant to the audiences they're reaching, and they, that means they have to be listening, they have to be understanding uh, what the needs are and how those are changing. And um, they need to be able to be uh, adding and delivering value. Like what we just sort of talked about, the, the, you know, the value of impact to the world, for example, it, you know, and, and, the, and earth and um, humanity is something that is incredibly critical for companies to be aware of, right? So, um, but sometimes it's the value of what they bring just to the simple usage or the interaction that a person has with that, with that company or that brand. Um, so, you know, understanding how to intersect with who they're trying to reach and making that what they offer uniquely differentiated and valuable, uh, and, and then understanding ultimately how to ensure that they've, um, delivered impact and action consumers. If you are, you know, part of, if you're out shopping for brands, you're going to choose brands that speak to you. You're going to choose brands that solve your needs. You're going to choose brands that um, that do something more than what you even expect from them. And and that's very often emotional, right? But it's also functional. And so the brands and companies that sort of bridge both of those areas are the ones I think are ultimately able to solve for a lot of what their audiences need. So in the user experience world, the world that I, that I live in, um, we talk about the concept of cognitive load, yeah. which is, you know, the I'm sure you're, you're very familiar with it. But for the listeners, just the, the concept of um, having something that's too overwhelming to a, a user, whether it's through a digital interface or providing them too many options, and it becomes um, um, overwhelming. Uh, and, and sometimes it results in either indecisiveness or, or someone just stepping away. Um I have to imagine that, in especially in the communications world, with everybody on social, every company having a brand online, multiple channels, that there is a lot of noise. How does that impact your job in terms of being able to provide the utmost value in, in terms of reaching that ultimate end user? First of all, the amount of noise that's out there is tremendous. And uh, as an industry, I think we in the public relations world have come from a from world where we had to earn attention. That's the nature of the DNA of what is part of public relations. We didn't buy a spot. We had to understand what was relevant to the person that we were trying to reach. And, and that person we're trying to reach is all sorts of different stakeholders and audiences. So I think what, what brands today need to be aware of is that they must get to the core of what matters as a human to the, to the, person that you're trying to reach across the aisle from or across the store from or across your screen from and pull them in. And you have to create ideas that break with convention and 
and are disruptive and uh, but not for the sake of being disruptive because again like in the agency world there's you know all the chatter around disruption it's like disruption just for disruption's sake is useless disruption to upend and really stand out in a way that's meaningful, that's core to what a brand stands for. That's when people care. That's what gets, that's when you pause, you take a look, and that's what makes you share, right? Like that's what makes you talk about something with somebody that a brand or a company did. And and that's what makes it relevant to you as a person. Now, you know, it used to be that people would think one thing is relevant to 65 million people, right? Or, or like, and so mass communication. And now there's just this understanding and realization that brands can connect with different people and different groups of people and understanding the value in your ability to sort of hyper target and, and reach the people that care the most about your brand or reach those people that maybe aren't thinking about your brand, understanding what the barriers are and being able to talk to that and explain that. That's what companies today can do and brands can do to be super relevant to who they're reaching. And I think that's what brands need to care about today. And technology lets you do that. Like, that's the beauty of it, right? Like, Absolutely. all the mobile tools that we have, all the uh, data that we're able to, to, to reach and or data that we're able to um, navigate and use and then reach people in the ways that we know are going to be the most meaningful for them. Otherwise, that's the rest of its noise. If, if someone reaches you with a message that you really care about, you're going to tune in and you're going to share it and you're going to pass that along. Absolutely. So speaking of data... Um, I have to imagine out of all the the large global brands that Weber Shanwick works with, there's some great insights that you all come across. Is there any particular one that stands out to you that uh, you wouldn't mind sharing? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm going to preface this and just say I'm not the data gal here, but um, I, there's an amazing story of a brand that we work with out of our offices in Sweden. And the company's name is Hemnet. They have more data and knowledge around what kinds of housing people in Sweden care about. So they, based on all the knowledge and data that they collect, they, you know, they are, you're able to understand people care about a two-bedroom house. They care about uh, having a, a, you know, detached garage. They care about it having a modern facade. Like whatever the sort of data points are in real estate and in uh, in the apartments in real estate that people are looking for, they have more data than anybody else. And we knew that. And we said, let's take that data and be able to understand what is the optimal house that the country of Sweden cares about. What is the optimal residence, right? And through the data, culling through all the data um, that, that we were provided by the company, we were able to develop what we called the House of Clicks. And the House of Clicks is a home that is designed as a prototype of the optimal house based on data from all the folks in Sweden that use Hemnet, the leading provider of real estate. Wow. And um, we actually worked with architects to develop the, the drawings. We built the actual house. It's beautiful. You actually could see the uh, case study on our website at Um, There's, It's a beautiful, modern, perfect, Swedish, beautifully designed home um, that is the house that's chosen by, chosen by the people, right, as what they would want the most. And it's a great example because not only, um, not only were we able to cull and use that data to create this and show it and be able to visualize it, which again, there's so much power in being able to like develop a visual uh, representation. But more importantly, we created a business model for the company. They had no intention of getting into the design business, but there was so much demand 
for this house because people said, well, that's exactly what I want. So now that I know that that's exactly what I've been looking for, I'm going to build that myself. <laughs> so it's actually created a side business for the company, uh, which is sort of amazing because not only did we solve a business problem for them in helping to identify what people choose and, and why we use data to do that, uh, but we created a separate business stream that they had no intention of actually they – did, they, did, they had no plans for, for creating. You know, it's interesting as you're telling me the story, I'm – so fascinated with it. Like, I've, I've got to see this house. you got to see the house. Yes. Wait a minute. I mean, like, I literally should, like, pull it up. It is on our website. It is It is a beautiful home. I'm a modern architecture person myself. I love architecture. And it is super pretty. Let me see if I can find it really fast. I probably can't. That's going to just kill time. <laughs> <laughs> you should go. You should take a look. I'll send you the information. <laughs> it's fascinating because I, I think, especially on the content side, the data piece is, in, in, in some cases, it sits in the background from the content. But it still is driving it so much because I'm sure it's sparking people's curiosity around what other people like and what their interest level is too. Absolutely. So it's very interesting. Absolutely, and I mean, and data—it's such a—it's such a rich area, and um, in terms of what it can and can't inform, we have um, clients, for example, where we know that there are barriers related to a product, and we're able to take data that we have based on, again, immediate performance data analytics around how content looks in front of, how content is being um, engaged with, and understand, you know, where the messages are, are the most resonant, and then we can make decisions based on that. So we talked about data, um, technology, there's, there's so many different uh, forms of technology um, right now. You, you hear all the different buzzwords and certainly more immersive experiences like virtual and augmented reality. Mm-hmm. And you've got IoT and blockchain and all those different um, types those of technologies. Things, right? right? <laughs> so I'm curious, and how have those technologies helped Weber Shanwick move the needle forward, especially as it relates to consumer experiences? Yeah, I mean, it, it is really all about immersion. It's like immersion, 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 like being able to create immersive experiences for audiences that we're trying to reach allows imagination to be opened. Uh, one of uh, one of our clients, for example, um, GSK, um, we work on Excedrin. And if you don't suffer from migraines, and I'm, so I'm a migraine sufferer, so I know what it's like. Um, but if you don't suffer from migraines, you have no idea that this is a real medical problem or you don't understand. You're, you think, oh, this is just a headache. What's the big deal? And it's really interesting how many people suffer from migraines and the impact that it has on them as individuals, but also just even to the workplace dynamic. People will call in sick and often people are unfortunately dismissive of that. Oh, it's just a headache. So one interesting challenge we had was trying to explain to somebody who doesn't suffer from migraines what that experience might be like and how truly debilitating it is. And also, not that it's, it's not one size fits all. When you have a migraine, you might suffer from a variety of different symptoms. Some people have um, clouding. Some people feel dizzy. Some people have auras. And so we used VR. This is, I mean, it's a great example of how you can use VR to show and, and uh, create an experience that someone would otherwise be unable to have. We created the experience of what it feels like in the different forms of migraine suffering, uh, what those experiences felt like so that someone who was not a migraine sufferer could put the headset on 
and literally go through the experience. And so it was so interesting and compelling because, um, you know, family members of migraine sufferers would say things like, oh, my God, I had no idea that this was what you were going through. Mm -hmm. So to create sort of that level of connectivity, that level of education and empathy, um, I think is really, really powerful. And so when we think about technology, we think about how do we make how do we leverage technology to make the human interaction more valuable? And that's a great example of it. And I think, you know, if you, if you um, understand or you have an experience that you would otherwise not be able to have uh, through technology uh, and it brings value to your world and your life, there's nothing better, right? If you're the, if you're the parent of someone who's a migraine sufferer, to be able to go through that creates empathy and understanding. I love that story. And yeah, think- it's it's one of my honestly. Uh, there are so many different opportunities where we leverage technology to solve. I mean, like it's it, it's it, you can't not use technology to solve clients' problems. I can give you a hundred different sort of examples, but for me, that's particularly poignant. And I think you know VR is a really wonderful tool to be able to drive home experiences that you otherwise wouldn't be able to to understand. Um, but it's also one that unleashes imagination. We just used it, for example, recently for one of our other clients to show. We work with Royal Caribbean um, cruise ships, and we were able to show the ship of the future. And so the ability to sort of cast into what the future might look like and and experience that in such a poignant way is also a really great way to provide information and an experience for people that is entertaining. And so it's uh, you know, certainly a lot more fun than going through the migraine experience, uh, but again, equally as compelling. So I, I'm a big fan of VR, but that's just me. You know, it's interesting. So we, we actually launched a, one of our first products was uh, something called the Interactions. And one of the experiences within the interaction is experiencing what it's like to be on the job and be the target of sexual harassment. Sure. And we had the creepy guy, quote-unquote, in the office that would approach you, and it was a first-person experience. And the immediate reaction when people go through is, oh, my God, that, that feels so – it's too close. He's, he's getting too close. Sure. And they can feel it as if he's there. And it, I, I just think it's a, a fascinating way, as you mentioned, to – um, Storytell and, and mm-hmm. also get people to go through those those experiences. So kudos to all of you, uh, to all the work that you've done in that area. Thanks. Let's shift a little bit to the team aspect of things. It's never easy to create a, a, a creative team and one that that can constantly push the needle on the innovation side. I have to imagine there's probably a lot of competition from not just startups, but some of the the larger technology firms as it relates to attracting talent. So for the listeners, is is there any particular advice you can give for looking for the right type of creative talent to bring in to help them be more innovative? Yeah, I mean, the talent war is a real war. Uh, It is particularly hard these days to, it's a very competitive set uh, in terms of talent. And I think uh, we're so lucky in Chicago to have such rich talent that's here. Um, we have evolved and changed our business because of the talent that we've brought in. So talent is, I mean, we're a talent organization, right? We don't we don't build widgets. We don't, you know, create something that we put out into the world in hard form. We solve problems. And so being able to build a team that likes to solve problems is um, is. It requires a lot of different ways to think about 
those problems and lots of people with lots of different kinds of experiences. I think it's human temptation to build teams of people that have the same kinds of backgrounds as you or sound like you or act like you or look like you. And that's the worst thing that you can do. You actually need to surround yourself with people that are willing to challenge your ideas, are willing to come in with a different way to look at things and, um, and will push and will take what their life experiences are and bring them in ways that are relevant to the client experiences and what their outside curiosities are and make those, again, connected to the work. So, uh, and they also have to be nice, right? They have to be people you want to work with and, uh, people that are human and good and, uh, care about the same things that you care about. So, um, so I think being able to build teams that work together, it's all about teams. Like it's not about individuals, right? Like we, we are 350 people here in Chicago, almost 350 people. And, um, how we, when we work at our very best, it's because we've put a team of the right people into the mix that bring different points of view. Um, when I talk to talent, I talk to a lot of talent, a lot of potential talent for the agency. I, I think it's probably one of the most important things I do. Uh, I'm looking for a couple of key things. I'm looking for folks that are resilient because I think, you know, today, no matter what industry you're in, uh, you're in complexity. It's messy. It isn't pretty. It isn't easy. Um, and, and if you are able to be resilient and navigate and be flexible and agile and, um, and bring that kind of an approach to it, you can kind of do a lot of almost anything. Right. Um, and I'm looking for people who really want to, uh, work in ways that are meaningful with other people, right? Like you, you don't, we, when you're working in a team dynamic or a setting, you want to work with people and slug through the hard times and the amazing times, mm -hmm. lock hands, and also know when to be able to push and pull. And it's not personal. It's about the work. Right. And that I think, you know, if, if I could give any sort of advice to anyone, it's really find that in yourself, right? Like if you, you got to be able to like understand what makes you uniquely you, what makes you differentiated, the things that make you uniquely, you uniquely you are what actually make you special and bring that into the work with a point of view and also with the understanding that you got to work with other people to get there. Like you can't be the hero. You can't be the one person that's sort of solving the problems. The strength is in diverse points of view in, in, uh, and in um, different approaches and that to me is like what makes a team be a winning team versus a team that does good work, right? Absolutely. So it's interesting because I've met a lot of your team and they are absolutely some of the smartest people I know, super diverse in thought and backgrounds. Um, you've been a champion not just of diversity within Weber Shanwick but also in the Chicago community at large. And uh, I, I, Weber Shanwick has been um, a sponsor of the Diversity Scholar Program yeah. at 1871. We're super can you talk proud of, of that. Yeah, absolutely. Can you can you talk a little bit about uh, what that is and what it means to you? Yeah, I mean, I again, I just think diversity, equity, and inclusion are core to our belief system as an organization, but each of us as an individual. And um, I think there's so much value in bringing diverse thoughts and diverse points of view and a diverse team to every challenge and situation that you've got. Um, 
if you don't, I mean, so I, I took a really interesting class up at Kellogg and, you know, the, the, the brilliant data mines come in with data points that prove to you that, um, and, and the class was all around uh, innovation, that prove to you that uh, if you look at a problem with a bunch of people that have the exact same point of view as you, statistically, you will not come up with as many interesting, unique, different, and impactful ways to solve for it than if you bring a diverse set of team members around it. Well, duh, you know, like, of course. And so um, I just think, uh, you know, diversity is an area as an industry where we continue to need to make so much more impact, but it's not just in the industry. We have to make it in our community. And so, you know, the 1871 Diversity Scholars Program has allowed us to mentor and um, connect with uh, diverse startups and entrepreneurs. Um, our work with Chicago United has allowed us to be connected to diversity programming in the entire Chicagoland business community. And that, again, the, the, it's just, uh, that's not enough, right? Like, it's, we have to build teams and we have to build workplaces that reflect what our world look like looks like and i you know i'm um i'm half turkish and i've spent a quarter of my life living abroad in a totally different country than here with totally different points of view and around um my parents were very uh i grew up in hyde park my parents had a very diverse set of friends and it's who i am and in terms of how i've been shaped as a person and so I feel most comfortable and most happy and most productive when I have a group around me and a team around me that is bringing all different sorts of points of view because I just think that's what makes it interesting and that's what makes it valuable. Fantastic. So last question yep. um, and most important question of the day. Yep. What's the one app on your phone that you can't live without? Oh, my God. That's the hardest question <laughs> of the day. That's like asking me my favorite child. But thankfully, I only have one child. <laughs> I have a lot of apps. Um, oh, my gosh. I mean, do I really only have to pick one? I. Oh, that's not fair. I mean, I guess I'm an aggressive driver. It might be Waze. Yeah, it helps me figure out what's going to be the fastest way to get home or wherever I'm going. Or – Postmates, because they deliver all the food that I eat <laughs> my it. family eats. Love it. Or everything that's streaming. I mean, I don't <laughs> think I could live without Spotify or Netflix. See, I can't really just pick one. Come on. Fantastic. Well, thank yeah. you for your time today. Thank you so we much really for having me. We really appreciate you being here. Uh, if there's any um, this place, if, if some of the listeners want to follow Weber Shanwick or, or you, uh, is there a particular uh, website or uh, Twitter handle? Sure. Um, they can go to WeberShanwick.com or at WeberShanwick on uh, Twitter and on Instagram and Facebook. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you again for being here today. We really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Remember to subscribe to Unlocking Innovation wherever you listen to podcasts and be sure to rate and review. To stay up to date with EX3 Labs news and events, follow us on social media. We're at EX3 Labs. See you next time.